We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. I'm going back to the Western Hotline for my final guest of the afternoon. It's Pete Jensen. He's a senior fantasy editor over at NHL Network. Pete, uh, first time, long time. Just kidding. It's been a long time, though, man. Uh, it's good to it's good to have you on. Um, unfortunately, I wish it was under more positive circumstances, but we'll talk about the rest of the league and the the playoffs that are uh, about to get underway here. But uh, yeah, I'm, I mean, at first we're going to rip off some scabs and talk about the Sabers. Yeah, I mean it, it's tough because you see what went on in the division outside of Buffalo, right? You saw like the Rangers have a really good season. Um, missed the playoffs because they drew the tough straw and played in a division with a couple other juggernauts. So even like with the Flyers going off the rails, the Rangers weren't able to make the playoffs, nor were the Sabres. Then the Rangers go ahead and pretty much blow up most of the organization from a leadership standpoint um, with Gorton and, and John Davidson gone and the coach, David Quinn. And then you look at Buffalo, like the expectations were also high, but it's just it's crazy like how the league has reacted to just this shortened season and things like that. But clearly Buffalo has some issues and the, the biggest one is the Jack Eichel situation, yeah. which is just such a big topic for us fantasy wise. Cause he's a top 15 player in the league, you know, but I mean, if he's not happy there, if, if they have to move on, it's just like a, it's an unfortunate thing for all the uh, the fans in Buffalo that they couldn't see more out of Eichel. Yeah, and I think maybe the worst part about it, Pete, is just the continued narrative that oh they'll trade him to the to the Kings, but don't even mention Byfield's name. Don't even do it. Don't oh he's going to the Rangers. Well, you can't even talk, Kako. So it's like to me. How can you have these conversations around moving Jack Eichel when you can't even mention the team's top prospect coming back in return? And and what does that say to you about the state of the rest of the league and how they're viewing this Jack Eichel situation? Does I guess, does it speak to how dire the situation here in Buffalo is that even though they still have the leverage of right now this year, this is the Sabres have the most leverage right now heading into the season with the no-trade clause kicking in next offseason – so does it say more about the state of the franchise that there is still this view that even though they hold the cards in terms of financial and no movement clause, that they're still being talked about as, well, they're not getting anyone's top one or two prospects. I mean, what does that say about the state of this franchise and the leverage that they have in any Jack Eichel trade? Well, the state of play of the whole league right now is tough because, you know, it's during the pandemic. Luckily, they were able to play the season, but... You know, a lot of these teams didn't have any fans for most of the season. And, you know, the cap is flat. And there are teams out there that are on the cusp of contention, some that are in the playoffs that would love to add 
and Eichel. I'm, you know, I mentioned the Rangers, obviously, like team like Montreal or Minnesota that are in the playoffs clearly need uh, an elite center on the roster. But in order to do so, like you're you're strapped in terms of your cap constraints and stuff like that. So, and then you have some top prospects, but you know these teams are not like the Sabers are not in the driver's seat because it's kind of a falling out if they if they do have to trade him. You know, it's not like where these teams can say, oh, well, feel, we'll feel free to give up Cole Caulfield for, you know, like why would they do, why would they offer them? It's going to be the leverage is not really in Buffalo's end, unfortunately. So even though Eichel is a proven, you know, top flight player in the league. So that's what's going to be, I'm sure like some of the conversations will be, it's going to be really tough. You know, it's, I think they're going to be able to get a lot back in return to a, for a player of Eichel's caliber, but it's unfortunate like this injury this year is a serious one, right? If it yep. was like a neck injury and then, you know, throughout his Buffalo career, it's like coaching change after coaching change. And, you know, you don't pin all of that on Jack Eichel, but, you know, especially as, you know, the captain of the team past couple of years, it's, you know, it's pinned more and more on him, the more and more that it happens. So that's just something that follows the player uh, as he has you know, progressed in his career, unfortunately. So the numbers speak for themselves, but there's a lot more attached to the situation, clearly. And I think, I mean, obviously the same conversation is likely being had about Sam Reinhardt, who's coming off of a, by the way, a top 10 scoring season in the league. Uh, Maybe his most consistent start-to-finish campaign we've seen from Sam Reinhardt. And I think what it speaks to, Pete, is how long it can take in this league for young players to find their game and hit their ceiling. And it's what makes it so disappointing that you you have finally got to a point where Sam Reinhardt's playing his best hockey. You have Jack Eichel, who's sort of entering into that prime of his career, and now we're talking about them moving on from them before you get to actually reap the benefits of those draft picks and I think you know the same conversation will eventually be had about Rasmus Dahlin who I think had a really nice turnaround under Don Granado compared to the system he was playing in with Ralph Kruger but you know you look at this team and you say to yourself it feels Pete talent wise they're not far and I was talking about this with Joe Yurden earlier here and we talked about how there's this disconnect in in the term buy-in which has been used a lot by Kevin Adams and by the previous coaching staff and this current one, where you have this talent, and Taylor Hall's a perfect example of this. Taylor Hall scores two goals in whatever it is, 40 games here in Buffalo, 35 games, and then he goes yeah. he goes and scores five in the first 10 games when he's in Boston. And I think buy-in is an interesting way to basically say, I don't know, try hard, play your best game, and like, like what is it about this team where they can't get their best players or really talented players to buy into what they're trying to do on the ice and does it speak to a more organizational problem or is this strictly they didn't have the right coach maybe they do now and maybe that it's as simple as just the coach and the scheme the coach is a huge part of it right I mean the the night and day turnaround when they're in the midst of that long losing streak and they and they fired Kruger and then the way they played down the stretch was like really encouraging and I I mean uh, Reinhardt played his best hockey down the stretch for sure and you saw Middlestad step up I mean Middlestad last year was like in the AHL you yeah. thought he was a, a lost cause but he's clearly not and then you, you of course we love what we've seen from Victor Olofsson the past couple of years uh, especially when he's got talent around him but either way on the power play he's a really productive player but yeah Sam Reinhardt I think it says a lot it, in these trying times and when things don't go your way it says a lot when a guy can 
you know, put everything behind him. His sidekick in Eichel was out for most of the season, and he has a career year. I mean, right? You watch the Sabres as much as anybody. You know that coming into this year, Sam Reinhart could have very well been called a product of Jack Eichel because he was playing on the right side of him. Now he shifts to center, right. and he looks like he's a great center. He looks like he could be, you know, if they do trade Eichel, he'll be your number one center, and he'll be a productive one at that. So, And then middle stat 2C, all of a sudden you, you feel a little bit better about uh, you know, some situation where maybe Eichel doesn't come back for next season. You know, again, but for like all year, even through the ups and downs, like on the Fantasy on Ice podcast that we do, like myself and Rob Reese, we're just like beating the drum all year. Like, just they should like if they if they can afford to not trade Eichel, they shouldn't trade him. Honestly, mm-hmm. I wouldn't trade him. Like they they're lucky to have him. They right. have him locked up for a while. If you can make it work and turn it around, um, especially with a different coach, uh, much better one it seems, uh, with Granado over Kruger, uh, they're not that far away. To answer your question yeah. and agree with you, they're definitely not that far away. And that's why I think it's good that they traded some of the guys in expiring contracts, but they kind of held on to some uh, bigger pieces of the organization. They didn't make any knee-jerk trades at the deadline, and now they could evaluate things, figure out who their coach is going to be, and then try to – take a step forward next year when the divisions go back into the regular alignment. Yeah, Pete, I, I think the Sam Reinhardt conversation is just, it's fascinating to me. And the reason why is your point is so spot on, right? Like this is a guy who the narrative is Jack Eichel has driven his success in the league. He's not a center, he's a winger. And based out of just pure necessity because of injury, this team had to force themselves into putting him at center. And this is, I mean, and, and here's the thing. This, to me, is a organizational flaw because it wasn't one coach that decided, well, Sam's not a center. This is three, four coaches who all refused to put him at the pivot position and give him an opportunity to run his own line and and be able to control the pace of play on his own line. And for years, we said, well, no, that can't happen, even though there was such a need for that number two center, especially after they traded Ryan O'Reilly. And yet, it took a rash of injuries for him to finally get in a position where he can play center. And now it looks like that is his position that they should be pushing for the future on. So now with one year likely before he hits UFA status here, Pete, the Bill- the Sabres are likely going to sign him on a one-year deal here. And I think that's probably all they're going to get him to sign for. How, how much of an, a tight squeeze is this team with Sam Reinhardt? Because I think the conversation around Eichel is warranted, but ultimately the Sabres hold cards. They could decide not to trade him, and that could be that. They can't. They may not control the destiny of Sam Reinhart unless they can figure out a way to turn things around. Just based on what he was talking about in his press conference, he looked pretty, I think, emotionally just drained and defeated from another season. He has yet to sniff the playoffs here in Buffalo since being drafted. Like, where do you stand on Sam Reinhart and the delicate balance that this team is going to be striking? Considering, I think Jason Bottrell really, really screwed the pooch on not getting him locked in long-term and just continuing to sort of kick this can down the line. And now here we are, one year away from his UFA status, wondering, is this a guy that's just going to walk for free? Yeah, that would be the worst-case scenario, no doubt. And it's unfortunate, too, because... You know, they did they did something at the time with Skinner, of course. Now, in mm-hmm. hindsight, it, it right. looks bad. But, um, yeah, that's going to have a negative effect on, like, what they have to work with to reward a player like Sam Reinhardt, who had an outstanding season and was a bright spot for the team. So, I, I mean, 
as a fan of the game and someone that covers uh, every team very closely, I would love to see Jack Eichel 1C, Sam Reinhardt 2C next season with Linus Allmark healthy, and maybe you get a goalie in free agency uh, to either be a part of a strong tandem. Right, there are some guys out there. There's going to be Chris Drieger hitting free agency for the Florida Panthers. There, there are a bunch of guys, um, you know, hitting the market, and not a lot of teams that need a goalie. So, yeah. like, not to get off the topic, but I just think like if you have a better goalie tandem than you've had in the past three or four years, you have two strong centers, you have a strong power play, which they've had the past few years, including this year when everything went so wrong. And you have some nice wings that could score the puck, like, and then you have Dylan Cousins who can take another step forward. Hopefully, like all of a sudden you're not you're not looking half bad, and and it was good to see Darlene turn the corner as well. Yeah, how the way he was playing earlier in the season, it was like it was almost like he was, uh, you know, never going to live up to, uh, never going to respond from that, never going to be able to turn his career around. But definitely some signs of life across the board down the stretch of the season. Uh, even with nothing to play for, that's why Granado, I think, maybe deserves uh, to be kept on here because he really started to um, help that team from an individual and a group standpoint, like return to its competitive nature and start to knock off some of those teams around the league. NHL Network's Pete Jensen here joining me on the Western Hotline. We're talking some Sabres, and I think the next guy that is just, you, you sort of mentioned him in passing, but Jeff Skinner. Jeff Skinner is younger than me, man. He's 28 years old, um, and he's he's coming up on his birthday tomorrow. He'll be 29 tomorrow. But Jeff Skinner, the conversation around him has been so interesting since signing that. He scores 40 goals two years ago, and since, I mean, he has just been a shell of himself. And I think a lot of that has to do with his relationship with Ralph Kruger. There was clearly something amiss between those two. And it showed, I mean, anytime Jeff Skinner's playing on a line with Riley Sheehan and Cody Eakin, I just don't know what you're expecting from him. I don't know how you're going to expect him to be the player that he's been in the course of his career. But to consider where he is in his career, he's going to be 29 years old, how has the conversation shifted from, well, he's got, he can do better if he's not playing on the fourth line, to maybe he just is not going to have the same sort of offensive impact that he's had over the course of career, when this is the sort of time of a career where guys are hitting their, their peaks of their career? Like, How can that conversation be shifting to maybe Jeff Skinner's just a 20-goal scorer for the rest of his career, at best? Well, I mean, we saw it with Taylor Hall, too. So it's not like, you know, ta- Taylor Hall is a really talented player, and so is Jeff Skinner uh, in finishing ability, especially Skinner. So I think a clean slate, you know, some better lineup placements, some more confidence from, from the coach, and, you know, a clean slate could do wonders. He could return back to 20, 25 goal form. I don't know if he's ever going to be back in the 30s, but that would really help Buffalo out next season. So, you know, I think for the short term, they're going to give him another chance, or at least they should. Um, of course, you know, as the contract goes on, it's going to be more and more like conversation of like, how can we uh, move this contract or how can we, you know, maybe even buy out or something like that. That's just like pure speculation. Sure. But that's how it goes when the big contracts are sitting there and getting worse and worse. You know, hopefully for Skinner's sake, he's still in the prime years of his career. And I, I do believe that, you know, he, he was not that far away at points in the season where if he had more confidence from the coach and, you know, better lineup placement. Um, but again, Eichel was out. The lineup was in shambles. It was just 
you know, not really fostering much confidence for the player and not uh, much support around him. So I'm not lost on Jeff Skinner quite yet. I think that he can be a serviceable player, but it's just the problem is, like, even if he has a 25-goal season, you're saying, oh, he's being paid like a guy that should be having a 35-goal season. So it's, it's almost like you can't really win at this point, but I still think Jeff Skinner can be a productive player for the Sabres. So. That's good news, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess it. I, right. I mean, it, it's kind of how you have to look at this thing. And and listen, I mean, I would think you know if if Jack Eichel's back next year, which I mean, God forbid, I, I I hope he's back. And I think if you can try to bring back and put Skinner up on that line, I to me, Pete, the thing that never made sense was putting Taylor Hall immediately on a line with Jack Eichel. They are they are they play from similar areas on the ice that's where they win from and you can't have a guy that they're basically bumping into each other every time that they were on the ice together and it, they they just never synced up it never looked good and yet you have a player like i think Jeff Skinner that complements everything that Josh uh, that that Jack does so well and yet there was this almost refusal to come, to bring that line back together and it never the guy scored 40 40 goals two seasons ago playing on his wing and they basically said well we don't want this anymore <laughs> Right, and it's it's tough always in hindsight, especially after you see how well Reinhardt played at center. Then you could have said, you know, play Reinhardt to C with Taylor Hall and play yeah. Eichel with, uh, you know, with, with Skinner. And, and who cares who's on the, the other right wing? I mean, who cares yeah. who's on the other wing if you've got those right. two those two pairs? You know. Yep, I know it's it's uh it's tough to it's tough to digest. I'm sure for Sabres fans in hindsight, but you know, the longer you keep Eichel around, there's you know, if you get the the best coach possible in place, um, and maybe get some things ironed out in in the organization, it's it, they're they're not far away. They should not have been as bad as they were mm. the first half slash three quarters of the season. I really believe that some of the metrics were on their side, but they just weren't putting the puck in the net. Um, it's it's tough, man. But I think that Buffalo. Um, has a chance with some of its young talent. Definitely the goalies, like right, some of these guys that stepped up later in the season, even when Allmark was was injured. And then, you know, of course, you go and see uh, Jonas Johansson go to to um, Colorado and like yep. help them win the President's Unreal. Trophy. Go yep. figure. But uh, there is some good goalie depth in the organization. I think adding someone in free agency could solidify that position as well. So definitely some bright spots and. You know, it's not like the thing continued down a negative turn the entire season. Yeah. It it started to peak back up at the end, which is encouraging. Pete, I want to get some of your thoughts on the NHL playoffs. Um, looking at sort of the playoff board right now, I look at the North Division and I think to myself, that looks really exciting. I look at the West Division and I say, okay, flip a coin. Who who could potentially come out of that division? Obviously, Colorado winning President's Trophy. Like, they're maybe the favorite over there, but it's hard to say, looking back historically at how teams who's won the president uh, the President's Trophy, how they fared in the playoffs. And historically, it hasn't been well. Um, and I think Vegas maybe is kind of the team that could ultimately win that division. On the left side of this bracket, what storyline, which matchup in this first round maybe is most intriguing to you? Um, for me, I'll tell you, I really like the Edmonton-Winnipeg matchup in the North Division. I think that really uh-huh. combines speed, skill, 
um, and and scoring. And then in the West Division, I think the Vegas Minnesota matchup is also super super interesting, just based on how well Minnesota's played this year and how good Vegas has been. I think that's a that's a tough draw for Vegas in the first round. It is. Minnesota won the season series from them, and they have Kirill Kaprizov, who is like came over from Russia after a long wait, and he's been worth the hype. He sure is one of the most electric players ahead of this postseason that could just take over. And, you know, I think, like, it's a good matchup for Minnesota, too, because they don't have elite centermen, and neither does Vegas, really. So uh, that roster flaw that was pretty much the only critique of Minnesota all year that I had it didn't end up mattering, and now they're playing one of the only teams out there among the elite that don't have uh, great center depth. So, yeah, it's it's upset alert. I thought hard about that one. I do. I did. I am picking Vegas just because they have Leonard and Flurry yeah, to yeah. toss and turn if one struggles. You know, like that's such a luxury to have, and I think that gets them by against Minnesota. But. To answer your question about the most excited I am about a particular series, it has to be Florida and, and Tampa Bay mm. for me because on both sides you got guys coming back from injury, but for the defending champs, they're facing a tough task in the first round. They're bringing back Kucherov and Stamkos. Um, so all those injuries and how healthy those guys are. Hedman's also been dealing with an injury, so how healthy they are will determine – whether Florida can knock them off. I'm actually picking the Florida Panthers. I think they got a great roster. They're getting Patrick Hornquist back, who's a championship player uh, that they acquired from the Penguins. They got Sam Bennett from the Calgary Flames, who's a playoff performer, who's getting better lineup placement than he's ever seen before. And they got two guys, like anyone who has played fantasy knows that Barkov and Huberto oh, have yeah. been elite players for a couple of years now. And I think this is the time that, they're finally putting it all together under Joel Quinville, and I think that they may be up to the task to take Tampa to seven games and maybe even knock them off. So that's one, and it's also like Battle of Florida. Like you never really see these teams play, and hopefully it's the start of a good rivalry for that state. Yeah, I agree. I, the last thing I wanted to ask you, Pete, uh, to kind of revisit the North Division, how. Do, do you believe whoever comes out of that division ultimately will be at a disadvantage when they get to the semifinal, when they're forced to play a, a West Division team, based on, I think, some of the cupcakes at the bottom of that of that Canadian division that they played all year? Like, Do you think the lack of top-tier teams in the North Division, especially over the course of the season, will come back to haunt them when they are forced to face a Vegas or a Colorado in the semifinal? Yeah, well, it's going to come down to the regular season points for how they reseed the Final Four, um, last I heard. So it's like it, whether they're playing any of these teams, mm-hmm. East or West, traditionally. I mean, let's say you, you face off against Carolina or you face off against Colorado or Vegas or one of those you know, strong teams in the East that is championship caliber, no matter which way you slice it, you're either getting Crosby, Ovechkin, Pasternak and the and the bad Bruins, or you getting Barry Trotz and the strong back end of the Islanders. So like, they will definitely have a rude awakening. I think as much as like this could be the breakthrough year for Toronto or McDavid, I do think that it will eventually come to an end for a team in that North Division because it has been the most favorable, in my opinion, and uh, statistically as well. Like defensively, there's been so much offense, but. Um, you know, definitely a cause for concern the deeper that the Canadian teams go this year. So 
they'll be out to end that long Stanley Cup drought, but I think it's just going to get really, really tough once they get to the Final Four. All right, well, I'm obligated to ask you, Pete, who do you like? Who, who, who do you think ends up winning the Stanley Cup this year? Um, and maybe it's just based on who you believe the road will be for them, or maybe you just think Colorado's too good and they're the team. I don't know. Give, give me your prediction and, and, and why you think they're the, ultimately the team that's going to take it home. So, yeah, at the beginning of the season, I had Colorado over Carolina, and I'm sticking to that. Uh, Colorado with Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen, two of the elite players for a few years now. Nathan McKinnon, actually, a lot of people probably don't know because everybody's caught up in McDavid fever, but uh, McKinnon has the fourth best career playoff points per game average in history. It's like um, Gretzky, Lemieux, someone else, and and McKinnon. So anyway, that's an incredible stat. And with with Colorado the past two seasons, they made game seven of the second round, couldn't quite break through. Uh, one year against the Sharks, they got like a questionable call to go against them. Last year, lost a tight game in overtime in Game 7 against Dallas. So, And they had a ton of injuries. They were on their third-string goalie. So if they're healthy, uh, I think they'll break through in the second round against Vegas this year. And then I think that their defense, they hold other teams to 25 shots a game, best in the league. So, And they got great a great supporting cast, great resiliency. They always step up. They're one of those teams that steps up when guys are out of the lineup uh, from injuries or COVID protocol, whatever it's been this year. And Philip Grubauer is having a career year mm-hmm. and a contract year. So just so much to like about Colorado, but they have to be healthy. So that's always a big question. But when you start to nitpick like that, you know you're dealing with right. one of the true juggernauts of the league, you know? Yeah, absolutely, man. Hey, Pete, appreciate you, man. Thank you for the insight. Thanks for making time for us, as always, man. We really appreciate it. Um, tell the folks where they can find your work and find you on Twitter and all that good stuff. Sure, yeah. NHL Jensen on Twitter, uh, NHL Fantasy on Ice podcast. We actually dropped a uh, playoff pool preview if you're in any type of playoff pool with players or your bracket challenge. So we got one preview episode for that before the games kick off for the playoffs tonight with Bruins Capitals. And then we also have a sports betting preview as well for for the league and if you're looking to get involved with stuff like that uh, i think it's a good introduction to that so yeah definitely check out the two shows if you can today before the game start or you know some of the series don't start till uh, later in the week this coming week so you got some time to check it out but thanks again for having me on nate no my pleasure man thank you so much we'll talk again soon and uh enjoy your weekend man